Welcome to the Roto-Wire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, you can follow me at RotoJake. Give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. Today we're going to be making our picks for the biggest fights at UFC 263, Adesanya versus Vittori. First, of course, we have to start off with the full Mayweather-Paul breakdown. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I know nobody wants to listen to that here. Let's talk about uh, some fights, though, that happened since we last got together, John. Uh, first off, thanks for joining. As always, pleasure to be here. Um, anything stand out to you? you like the Oliveira fight was the last one we've talked about. Font, Rosen, Struix, some main event winners. Anything uh, Anything jumping out? I mean, the Oliveira fight was great. Uh, it looked like he was done in the first round. I couldn't believe he survived when Michael Chandler had him flattened out. Mm-hmm. But, I know, um, and the one and the judge gave him ten eight in that in that first yeah. round too. That would have made for some interesting scorecards had that went on a little longer. Great fight though. It was a great fight, and it you know it highlighted the strengths of both guys, and mm-hmm. I think it showed that the separation between the two was mild. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a ton of difference between the two, and. Um, you know, the main difference is that Michael Chandler only has two fights in the UFC and Charles Oliveira has been in the, with the company since he was like 21 or 22 or whatever it was. So, um, it's nice to see Charles Oliveira be rewarded after all the work and everything he's gone through. Yeah. So next month we'll talk UFC 264. Of course, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. We were chatting a little bit. I think I might try to go to that event here, but is it as simple as Oliveira gets the winner, Chandler gets the loser? (sighs) I mean, it could be. Um, I guess it really depends on how the UFC wants to run it back. Um, probably depends how it ends too. Mm-hmm. Um, if one guy blows the other guy out, or if it's a close decision, or yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously we're, we're we can finally say by now Khabib's retired. Benil Dariush might have something to say about that plan. That's about it. Otherwise, everybody else on that rankings list I'm looking at probably needs another win. Um, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Kevin Lee's fighting on that same card. Drew Dober fights this week, uh, this week uh, as the prelim finales. But let's jump in, uh, John, because there are a lot of great fights to discuss on this card. This card is deep. It picked up some fights that previous pay-per-views lost. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. This is one that, um, you know, I know it's not a Connor card necessarily, but it's one that... Uh, I would pay out of pocket for as a fan here, and we have no incentive to show here for the UFC. But jumping in from the top, middleweight championship. This is a rematch. I'm pretty excited for this fight. Both the fighters have evolved a lot since they first got together. We got Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori. Adesanya minus 260 favorite. Comeback on Vittori plus 220. I'm looking. It moved a little bit towards Vittori since I first jotted this down, but not a whole lot. DraftKings Celery is right in line with that. 9,300 out of Sanya. Vittori is 6,900. Um, odds to finish plus 105 here. So funny enough, the co-main event with Flyweights actually have better odds to finish, but we'll get to that in a second here. Out of Sanya Vittori here. Uh, I was surprised. I'm putting together, compiling our staff picks a little bit, and we've got a lot towards the underdog. Are you one of those, John? I am. Um, this is my stand. Um, I'm taking Vittori. Uh, this is a rematch of an April 2018 fight, which Adesanya won via split decision. Um, that was just his second bat with the UFC. Um, and I think it was a fight when it was over that most everybody thought Vittori fought over his head and Adesanya's performance was underwhelming. Um, obviously, a lot's gone on since then in the th- uh, three-plus years uh, since the first fight. Um, Israel Adesanya is coming off his first professional loss, um, lost to Jan Bukovic in early March. Um, that was a light heavyweight title fight. So Izzy was trying to become a two division champion. 
Um, I think most people who watched that fight thought, at least I did, I thought it was pretty clear Adesanya was the better mixed martial artist of the two, but the size gap between the two was Mm -hmm. simply too much for Adesanya to overcome. Um, That that was going to be it going in. Blakovich has the power in his hands here. I thought Izzy, I think we, I can't remember what we picked. We probably both picked, at least I was on Izzy. I thought he was going to be. I think I was too. Yeah, he was going to be, you know, elusive enough, but uh, I don't know. Blakovich found a home and, and uh, yeah, now he's a champ too. There's some good fights at light heavyweight coming up as well. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of give Adesanya a pass for that one. I mean, you look at the guys he's fought before that. Pretty solid yeah, nah, middleweights. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the result of the Bukovic fight has any impact on Adesanya moving forward. Um, you know, they have weight classes for a reason. Uh, it's just there was a size differential, and God knows I've underrated Jan Bukovic enough. So, um, you know, I'm not docking Izzy for that loss either. Um, I think the reason main there are two main reasons of Mount Vittori. Um, he's five and oh since the first time these two guys fought uh four of the five wins come via decision unanimous decision one was a submission none of the five fights were close he won all of them quite easily mm-hmm. i saw I a stat would, i want to just interject here i saw yep. a stat here where uh since losing to adesanya vittori's fought 17 rounds and he's uh he's competed in 17 rounds and he's only lost one of them i think aaron bronstetter tweeted that today so that's pretty impressive yeah no it is and the thing I was impressed with the most in his most recent fight against Jack Hermanson was Vittori's pace and his cardio. Um, Jack Hermanson is known for being one of the best conditions athletes in the division, having some of the best cardio in the division. And Vittori absolutely torched Hermanson in that fight. It was not close. Um, in terms of both, you know, actual fighting and the conditioning aspect of the fight. Um, it was a remarkable performance and I think there is room to attack Adesanya with volume. Um, Vittori's is going to have issues getting inside, which is one of Izzy's biggest his biggest advantages. Mm-hmm. You know, he's tall, he's long. Um, Six inches t- in reach and four inches in height yep. for Adesanya. Now, we know from last week's heavyweight main event, the UFC height registers maybe don't actually matter so much. If you caught any of that, they had uh, Rosenstruck at 6'4 and Sakai at 6'3, but then you look at the, the face-offs, and Sakai is obviously taller. So that was a little, if you followed any of that saga. But uh, no, four inches, I think we, we can say safely that Adesanya will have the height and reach here. Yeah, he he definitely will. You know, he's a tall, lanky guy. Um, and... I think the fact he fought Izzy once should give Vittori some comfort in how to attack him. Obviously, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Vittori is definitely the better wrestler. He averages about two and a quarter takedowns per 15 minutes. Uh, won't be easy, even though Izzy's a kickboxer. Um, his takedown defense is 82%, which is you know excellent. And... If you go deeper as far as numbers, I'm talking significant strikes landed, significant strikes absorbed, they're all very, very even. Um, There's not much of a gap either way regarding any of those kind of numbers. Um, If you told me one fighter was going to win this fight in a route, I would take Adesanya. Mm -hmm. If you tell me Vittori is going to win, which is what I'm picking. I would think it's going to be via decision. Now, my concern with picking Vittori is 
we've seen a couple things. One is we've seen some funky judges decisions lately, no matter where we are. Um, and we're in Arizona for this one. Yeah, we are. We are in Arizona, which is actually where the first fight between the two took, uh, took place. Um, and history tells us that if a fight between a champion and a challenger title fight is close, it usually goes the favor of the champion. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen that with John Jones how many times. Yeah. Um, Mighty Mouse might have something to say yeah. about that. but If it's close, it usually favors the champion. Obviously, every judge is different, but that's a general rule of thumb. So if you think Vittoria is going to win a decision, it has to be a clear-cut decision. Um, and essentially, when I looked at all this and I broke all this down, if you told me they were even money or even the, you know, Adesanya was whatever he was, minus 125, whatever, minus 130. I probably would have took him. I just think there's enough value on Vittori at well over plus 200. Uh, you know, the our, my preview article says plus 220. You've said it's swung a little. So even if it's plus yeah. 215 or plus yeah. 210 or That's whatever. That's about what we're at right now, plus 210. I still think there's a lot of value at that number. Mm-hmm. Um I just it's just one of those it's one of those gut feeling things where I don't think when you look at the numbers and you look at the odds and the salaries, I just don't think there's that much of a difference between Mm -hmm. the two. And I just, you know, I I think I'll take the chance that at that much plus money, you know, we're not talking plus 105, you know, we're Mm -hmm. talking, you know, plus 215, plus 210, you know, you're talking big underdog money. That Vittori by decision is plus three fifty. I don't know if you're getting enough juice to go out on a limb that far, Um, but yeah, I I get you. the The DraftKings angle of this is, I think, I actually kind of like Vittori as a cash game option because you're under seven k. You can do so much with your lineup. There are some very expensive fighters on this card that I definitely want to work in that we're going to get to later here, Um, and I can. Definitely, uh, I can see your argument with how close that last fight was, uh, how there'll be a certain degree of comfort with Vittori, whereas most people that step in with Izzy for the first time, you know, he's got some unique, some would call unorthodox striking. He really sets up his feints a lot. So it's uh, it's it's something that, uh, you know, other fighters take a while to get used to. So there's an advantage there for Vittori. But when it came down to making a pick, I personally chickened out a little bit um, because one, like I said, I'm really giving him a pass for the Blakovich loss, you know, different weight class that happens here. Um, you know, the height and reach does it for me a little bit. I think obviously both fighters have improved significantly since they f- first fought each other. Um, but Israel Adesanya has seemingly improved. I always thought, I guess I'll put it this way. I always thought the first fighter that beat Israel Adesanya was going to be one that was able to take him down at least once or twice. But Adesanya's takedown defense has held up against some very strong wrestlers, and it seems to continue to get better. And if he is taking down, he can scramble out of it you know, pretty quickly here. And I think that would be an ideal path to victory for Vittori. At least one or two of these five rounds, especially if you're going to give him by decision, he's got to get out of Sanya down and rack up some control time and make him carry his weight and make his arms feel heavy from, you know, trying to escape and trying to trying to get under hooks and trying to get out of, you know, get off your back necessarily. So the path to victory for Vittori would necessarily would definitely involve that. I just don't necessarily see it happening because that's where Adesanya's game has improved the most. And really in the end, Paulo Costa, Uel Romero, Romero, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gaslam, 
much, much greater than Holland Hermanson, though I'll give Hermanson his respect. Holland Hermanson, Roberson, Sanchez, Fajera. So you compare the the strength of uh the strength of record here as I as I like to call it sometimes. It's it's you know leaps and bounds in the direction of Adesanya. So give me the favorite to retain here. I think some people um I will say I've been compiling our staff picks. I shouldn't give give away the sauce yet, but half, three of our six writers or contributors are picking Vittori, and that one surprised me a lot. A lot of people, uh, so you're definitely not going out on a limb so much by going with Vittori, but I could not, I could not necessarily pull the trigger here. I've Adesanya has earned my respect, and I think he's going to be able to keep Vittori at bay enough, use his length to make it. He'll be able to make Vittori pay for shooting a takedown because he'll have to cover up so much ground, which is what gives me confidence. And then I think Adesanya will just outpoint him over five rounds again. Yeah, the Whitaker one was the one I had problems getting past. Um, Robert Whitaker is amazing, mm-hmm. and really the only fight in the last seems like decade where he struggled was when Adesanya torched him. Yep, and that when I was even after I picked Vittori, that was the one that I had problems getting past because mm-hmm. I love Whitaker and I know how good Whitaker is, yep. and Adesanya just slaughtered him. And that was that's that was the one that, you know, the other ones, I'll, you know, I can make a case one way or the other, yeah. but I don't think people know how good Robert. I mean, they do. But, yeah. you know, I, well, Robert Whitaker is elite and Adesanya yeah. just toyed the U- with him. The UFC wanted to do the Whitaker rematch for this fight, but Whitaker wasn't quite ready yet because he had just fought. So they ended up doing Vittoria. At least that's, you know, that that's what I was led to believe. Yeah, I mean, if Adesanya wins here, I mean, it, that's going to be next. I mean, yeah. you can't oh, no, deny no. Robert. You can't deny yeah. Robert Whitaker another chance. Yeah, do that in the fall. I know they were already kind of setting up uh, Ortega Volkanovski for September, but I don't know if they have October yet. Nunes, I think, is going to be in August, maybe, doing her next against uh, Venezuelan Vixen. But, um, but yeah, they'll definitely do Adesanya Whitaker next if Adesanya takes the step here, which I think he can. I mean, the Whitaker win, I mean, Gasolum's tough as nails. I know he's lost a bunch of fights in a row, but that you know that was an amazing fight where Adesanya actually got his chin tested and held up, got his chin tested by someone in his weight class, you know what I mean? And then Costa, you know, I had a ton of respect for Costa and, and his run, and Israel just seemed to expose him entirely. And... um so yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was partly Izzy, and I mean, partly like kind of like a mental breakdown from Costa, like being o- in the sense of like being overwhelmed by like the moment. But you're right. I mean, as far as like the, the as yeah. far as like the pure talent level of the two guys, they didn't look like they were on a mm-hmm. you know the same planet. Well, and Costa's just he's such a big middleweight. He's so cut. I thought we were go- going into that fight. I picked Costa because I thought similar to the Blakovich Izzy dynamic that the bigger guy. All he has to do is land one, and he's going to put him away, and Costa looked terrible. He was just exposed is the best way I can put it. So Adesanya, I keep discounting him. Now, naturally, of course, he'll go out and flop, you know, now that I'm actually oh, getting, fully, getting fully behind him because I've discounted him so long. You know, I'm pretty sure I picked Gastelum. I picked Whitaker. I picked Romero. I picked Costa. It hasn't happened yet, but uh, no, I'm getting on the Izzy train. I think people are, are reacting a little bit too much to the Blakovich loss, which I'm giving him a pass for, and just the body of work before that. I mean, if Costa and Vittori fought, I'd probably pick Costa. If Costa and Romero from three years ago fought, that Romero, not now Romero. If uh, So if Romero and Vittori fought, you know, I'd probably lean soldier of God in that one. Whitaker, Vittori, I'd pick Whitaker, no questions asked here. So I guess by MMA math here, I got to stick by Izzy. But uh, 
there's a strategy here. There are some expensive, pricey fighters. You've got to take an underdog somewhere. Vittori gives you a lot of lineup flexibility, and obviously it's a mass-entry sport. I cannot fault anyone for having some exposure, maybe even being a little bit over the field. Yeah, I think whether you think he's going to win or not, Marvin Vittori is underrated. He just, you know, he's not particularly popular with casual fans, and he's really good. You know, we're going to yeah. find out if he's Adesanya good, but even if he's not, he's really good. And the 164 significant strikes landed against Hermanson shows he can be a fantasy scorer too. So 6,900, even if it goes five rounds and he doesn't get the judge's decision, he has a chance to put up, you know, 50, 60 points via strike. And Adesanya is harder to hit than Hermanson. Uh, but, you know, you mix, you know, 50 points via striking and a couple takedowns, and suddenly you've got a score comparable to some of the losers on the card too. So there's a strategy there i do like him for cash here but uh i think we covered this one adequately um the next one i guess we've covered once before because we have another rematch here flyweight championship belt davison figuero brandon moreno figuero 9100 moreno 7100 on DraftKings here so uh we got figuero minus 230 comeback on moreno plus 290 i'm looking to see if that moved at all looking pretty steady here from what i see yep minus 230 comeback plus 190 uh um, this is an interesting one and, and, you know, I've got some points here that I want to make regarding just the specific DFS aspect of this fight, but I'm going to let you take it away for the breakdown first. So, um, Figueiredo's 9,100, Moreno's 7,100, like you just mentioned. Um, I would use Marvin Vittori all day long over Moreno. Um, I think, and, Br- uh, Br- before I rip him, um, Brandon Moreno looked great in the first fight between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, the, chin. Took place. the chin was yeah. the most impressive that, thing, so I think. That's, yes, that's the thing. It took place in December. Um, Figueiredo was a, I don't know the exact number. He was It was more than minus 230, though. Oh, yeah. He was a, a, a massive favorite in that fight. Um, it ended up going the distance. It ended up being a majority draw. Um, Figueiredo would have won had he not been docked a point but for a low blow by Jason Herzog in round three. Um, it's the right call, so you know it's on. that's on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, the th- crazy thing was, as good as Moreno looked in the first fight between the two, in many aspects, the fight went exactly as we thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, we expected figure eight. There's a clear um, explosiveness gap between the two. Um, there's an athleticism gap between the two. Um, Figueiredo can do things physically that Moreno can't. Um, you know, you could watch them fight for 30 seconds and you'd be able to tell that he moves, you know, he moves smoother. Uh, the punches come with more fluidity, all that kind of stuff. He's much more explosive. Power at 125 pounds is rare and Figueiredo has extremely. Yeah. He has legitimate stopping power. Um, and you're right. The most impressive aspect of Moreno in the first fight was his chin. Uh, we've seen Figueiredo torch guys on the feed with one punch, and Moreno ate dozens and dozens of them and was still standing at the end. Um, and I was particularly impressed also with Moreno's conditioning. He was in better shape later in the fight than Figueiredo was. Now, that's not surprising because Figueiredo is more muscular and we know how that, you know, tends to, you know, burn your arms out when you're carrying the extra weight and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Figueiredo got lazy at times, I think. I think he thought it was going to be an easier fight than it was. And Moreno made him work for it. Now, I'm going right back to Figueiredo because... 
I just don't see one. I don't f- see how there's any way Figueredo doesn't generate offense. So if you're going off that aspect, you're banking on the fact Moreno's going to get clocked again a ton. Okay, that's fine. I just have a difficult time, or at least I can't bet on the fact that he's going to be able to absorb all that punishment once again without breaking. There's essentially no scenario in which I see. I mean, obviously anybody can get knocked out at any, you know, with any punch, but it's virtually impossible to see a scenario in which Figueredo is stopped early. So that means, you know, if this fight lasts multiple rounds, then it seems to be a clear lock that Moreno is going to have to absorb some punishment. And if he's eating those dozens and dozens of strikes again, I don't, I would bet against him surviving. I know he survived the first time and it was unbelievable, but overall I would bet against that happening again. Um, I think there's a little bit of value on Moreno at 7,100. I think there's more value on Figueredo at 9,100. I just, there's a athleticism gap between the two that yeah. I can't get. There, there are a lot of wide lines on this card. There are six fighters priced $9,000 or greater. And I think Figueredo is one of my favorite out of the entire group because among fighters with the posted odds, this is the point that I wanted to make. Figueredo has the second best first round stoppage number at plus 475 and the second best win by knockout prop by at plus 205. So he's the fifth highest priced fighter on the card and you get the second best in both of those marks. And I've been doing this lately, but I'm going to take this chance to plug the Rotowire Sports betting section. Our tech team has done a phenomenal job of taking all this data from all these different sports books. We have all legal sports books, DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, PointsBet, and uh, and it puts you know these numbers and you can, and they have all the rest props. We went over it together, and you can see and you can sort. So if you want to sort the the whole list of bets by fighters that uh, by their chance of a round one win. Uh, you can go ahead and and check that out. Uh, so it's just something that uh, I, I would advocate using. There are a lot of sites out there that post odds, some post aggregate odds, but very few you can sort like this. And this is one of the ways I look for fighters to target in GPPs. And uh, Figueiredo jumps off the page because the guy above him, Jamal Hill, we'll talk about in a second in both categories. He's even he's more expensive, rightfully so. But if you're paying nine thousand plus, you're hoping for that stoppage and. Like you said, Moreno's chin was phenomenal in this last one. But these guys, I mean, you know, there's a there's a clock. You only take so many shots like that before you go down, and it's you know a long enough time in between maybe that uh, it shouldn't be affected. Moreno, I guess, is uh, is young enough that uh, you know he should have a few more of those in him. But I don't I don't know if he he tastes that power over and over again. Eventually, you're hitting the canvas, and and if you don't. Figueroa's shown he's perfectly capable of jumping on you while you're staggered and taking your back and ending the fight that way. So uh, you're hoping for the stoppage bonus. I'd be I like trying to hunt that with Figueroa uh, when it comes to these nine thousand plus guys. Yeah, and I actually think Moreno is probably going to be overowned to some extent because you're going to have people look at it and go, "Well, this guy dropped him," you know tight decision last time there wasn't much separation between these two guys mm-hmm. i can save two thousand dollars which is you know in in the world of DraftKings, is yeah. massive so yeah. i think you'll probably see him a bit more own than you would have expected otherwise yeah you're 1300 under the mean there so 
yeah, maybe go for it here. But yeah, yeah I think we're going to agree on this one, uh, Figuero and, and probably over the field here. Let's talk about a fight, though, that we didn't get a chance to talk about. We were robbed last time. This fight got canceled and pushed back to this card. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. Leon Edwards is the highest price fighter on the card from a DraftKings angle, 9500 Comeback on Diaz. Of course, that makes him the cheapest fighter on the card at 6700 Man, you never really thought you'd see that with Nate Diaz, right? The cheapest fighter on the entire card. That seems a little crazy to me. But it lines up with the betting odds. Edwards, a minus 550 favorite. Diaz, a plus 425 underdog. Vegas actually likes this one to not go the distance. The odds to finish are minus 120 here. I think in the welterweight division, we've got Usman and Covington that are probably going to have the rematch. I know it's not official yet. And then you got to imagine the winner here gets the next shot at Usman. And for me, it just seems like the stars are all aligning as the UFC wanted to. They're going to give Edwards a big name in Diaz so Edwards can win as a big favorite. And then they can really get the marketing team behind Edwards and Usman as a big fight. Because right now, Edwards is amazing uh, and people just don't know it yet. And a lot of casuals that are going to go try to shoot for that $200,000 prize. They might see Nate Diaz, 6700 cheapest on the card. Dude, stock and slap. I'm throwing him in my lineup here, but I don't think that's a great play. Are you with me? Yeah, I am. Um, the only thing about Leon Edwards, the only knock on the guy is that he doesn't fight. Um, now, a good portion of that is was COVID-related. Um, he had fights canceled. Um, if you remember, he was supposed to fight uh, you know, Kamzat Chemaev, God, how many times? Three, four, yeah. five, whatever. I know that might apart. hold the Rotowire record for most yeah. notes written about one specific God. fight. You know, it fell apart every time. Yeah, um, you know, comes when they got COVID complications. Yep. And, when yeah. they got the closest to it happening, and Kamayev bailed, um, Bilal Muhammad stepped in uh, this past March, actually. So not all that long ago at all. Mm-hmm. That was Leon's first fight since July 2019. So he was looking, you know, about a year and a half on the sidelines, a little more than that. He looked great while it lasted. Unfortunately, it lasted about a round. Uh, very early in the second round, Muhammad caught an accidental eye poke, a bad one, too. Um, mm-hmm. He was crying. It was bad. It was, it was a bad one. Yeah, um, sometimes you can tell right after it happens. Yeah. Like, oh, they're he, not going to continue. He was in terrible shape. Uh, he was one, unable to continue. Fight was called the no contest, you know, you know, no, you know, obviously accidental, but yeah. um, that doesn't make it any better for, you know, either guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the fact that Edwards is getting back into the octagon quickly yep. um, because he's really I mean, the he's fought one round essentially since July of 2019. So he's fought one round in about two years. Um this is a much bigger fight, obviously, for Edwards than it for Diaz, that for all the reasons you just mentioned. Um, this is also going to be the first non-title five-round fight in mm-hmm. UFC. I'm glad you UFC brought that up. I should have mentioned that in the intro. Five rounds yeah. here, so however that affects your DraftKings strategy, you know, two more, ten more minutes to possibly rack up stats. Um, so really, essentially. Leon Edwards hasn't lost since no- December 2015. Mm-hmm. That came against Kamaru Usman. So he's looking at, you know, we're going on five and a half years uh, undefeated. Um, I know he hasn't fought recently, but Leon Edwards is really good. And you're right. This has the feel of the UFC feeding him a huge name to 
to try and get behind him to build him up. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to look at Nate Diaz. I'm going to go back to the thing I say every time Nate fights. I don't think Nick's fought since Rotowire started covering mixed martial arts. Nope. Um, <laughs> that's a but, funny. That's uh, a funny fact because you. I was thinking about that the other day too. Yeah, you nailed I don't that. Think he's he's I got don't a profile. And all his notes are, might come back. Dana White said this I week come he might, yeah. thinks he's going to fight this year, but I'll believe that yeah. when I say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who, yeah, who would he fight? No, nah, I have no idea. But fight look, I mean, do, do the Avenge the Little Brother. That works. I mean, look, I, I firm and I, I believe it with both of them, even though we haven't seen Nick fight. Mm-hmm. I think both, I truly believe both Diaz brothers enjoy fighting. I believe they enjoy the training. I believe they enjoy the fighting. I believe they enjoy the camaraderie and training camp and all that crap. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they also have to be well compensated financially in order to fight. But you know that goes without saying. They don't. We also know they don't like the media obligations and all the stuff that goes with that. Mm-hmm. So I'd be very surprised, and I say that every time Nate fights, I'd be very surprised if Nate comes in not ready to fight. You know the conditioning's legendary. He's seen I mean, these guys everything. are they're triathletes. The conditioning is right. like one of the biggest strengths. Yeah, period. This is what this is what they do. It, you know, so I'd be very surprised if Diaz didn't come in ready to fight. You know, he's not going to look sloppy. You know, he's fought everybody under the sun. He knows what he's doing. There's just a gap, and there are levels in this game. I know Leon Edwards hasn't fought much lately, but there's a gap between Nate and Edwards at this point. Um, Nate's 36 years old. Um, even if you think he's going to show up ready to go, which I do, it's impossible to pick him. Mm-hmm. Um, Edwards is a couple inches taller. Um, I really think that if Edwards has difficulty with the length of, of Diaz on the feet, that he can just lean on his wrestling. It's the biggest difference between the, the biggest gap. I think between the two Nate's takedown defense mm-hmm. is 42% which is abysmal. That's really bad. Yeah. Uh, I, sometimes I think he welcomes it, though, because he's not terrible off his back. He usually has a pretty tight guard and might throw up triangles and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, he, he he's certainly not a zero off his back. Um, but I think if for some reason Edwards has difficulty consistently landing on the feet, I think he can just kind of just put his head down and bolt forward and take Diaz down. Um, the only attraction to Diaz, as far as I can tell, is his durability, and that gets a minor bump because it's scheduled for five rounds, not three. Yep. But then again, God knows if it's even going to get to the fourth and fifth round. So at that point, you know, it's like mm-hmm. what you know, the durability doesn't mean all that much. This is pretty straightforward. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I don't love. I don't know if I love. I don't love spending ninety five hundred on anybody simply because you know if one thing goes wrong, everything you, the rest of your lineup is completely and totally sunk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that worries me and it always does. But other than that, you know, I think this is fairly straightforward. Yeah. No, I found ways to spend 9,500 on Diaz or on Edwards. I'm sorry. I think I'm going to be, uh, you know, below the field on Diaz just because, you know, the public, you know, the general, the casual fan, you know, that are out there playing, you know, had a few beers. Let's throw 20 bucks, see if I can win 200K. They're going to be heavy on Diaz. Uh, but I, I don't see this at all. Um, I think Edwards wins. He gets a finish. Uh, Diaz, you know, a lot of respect for the guy, of course, like you said, he'll be in there well prepared. The one other X factor I want to bring in, I like, I like Nate Diaz fighting in Vegas a whole lot more than I like him fighting in Arizona because Nate Diaz is a bleeder. He's, you know, his whole face layer of scar tissue and he's tough as nails. He'll fight right through it. It does not bother him at all, but Arizona athletic commission, how experienced are they compared to some of the bigger ones in the United States here? 
And what's to say, you know, this we get a similar situation as uh, as Masvidal when the New York Athletic Commission kind of botched that and called the fight early a doctor stoppage cut. You know, if Edwards does get into Diaz on the feet, cuts him up a little bit, suddenly he's bleeding, he's got some big gashes, he's bleeding out his nose, his face is bloody, um, which, again, this is what Diaz does. Um, and it, it doesn't bother him, but some doctor it might bother here. So do I trust the Arizona State Athletic Commission to uh, – to know Nate Diaz and handle that perfectly well? No, not so much. So that could end up in an earlier stoppage too. Yeah, definitely could. I mean, I don't trust many athletic commissions, but yeah. I guess Vegas, I guess Nevada probably gets Oh, yeah, the, Nevada has the, to be the best they have by so default, many events right? And they, yeah, right, because they have so many events. <laughs> you know, I can't really say New York because they're still pretty new in MMA years, and then you have all these other states where it's kind of a crapshoot. Maybe Arizona's a little bit better. Nevada, California's decent. California seems to know what they're doing. Texas is terrible. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you get rough judges all over the place here, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> man. Anyway, but, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, man, if, he, if Diaz – gets cut up like he normally does who's to say the fight won't stop that's another you you have to have that concern with diaz so just yeah. putting that out there here um another welterweight fight to talk about we kind of touched on Bilal muhammad uh you know talking about the no contest again against edwards now we have muhammad taking on damian maya muhammad a big favorite nine thousand on DraftKings. maya 7200 um and then the the prices are about what you or the odds are about what you'd expect muhammad minus 225 come back on maya plus 185 i was surprised to see a couple people pick maya in the staff picks but where are you leaning on this one not there um yeah, yeah. Uh, look uh, i'm gonna start this by saying damian maya has gone has been effective for a longer amount of time than i would have guessed i would have guessed it was just about mm-hmm. over for him at that point at this point um it's not you know he's on the main card of a pay-per-view um but he's 43 years old uh he had a recent three-fight winning streak snapped in March of last year when he was knocked out by Gilbert Burns. Um, no shame in that. Gilbert Burns is terrific. Um, essentially, it breaks down like every. This breaks down like every other Damian Maya fight. He's going to have to figure out a way to get it to the mat and then score a submission. Um, the fact Maya can hang, you know, he, he's not going to hang with Burns or Usman or Edwards or any of those guys, but he can probably hang with Bilal Muhammad. Um, I, you know, if you told me this fight was going to see the final bell, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, uh, the finish plus one twenty five. Yeah. So Vegas thinks it will. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. Um, I essentially, I think Maya can hang around as long as his chin holds up. And actually, the Burns knockout was just the second time he's been knocked. Uh, actually, of his career that he's been knocked down. The first since August of two thousand nine. So we're talking, you know, what eleven years, twelve years since he's been knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, he he fought Usman and he fought Woodley, and they both recorded knockdowns against Maya, but neither of them finished him. So that's yeah. definitely something to be said about his toughness. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's hanging around, which honestly is more than I expected at this point. Um, like we, you know, like you mentioned, we just spoke about Muhammad. The fight against Edwards was a really bad break. Um, you know, he finally got a main event shot, and uh, you know, the eye poke happened. It wasn't going well for Muhammad prior to that, so I, you know, I don't think he would have won. But you know, you never want a guy's, you know, first big break to end like that. And he had um, won eight of his nine last nine leading up to that fight. The only loss was to a big time prospect in Jeff Neal, so not too yeah, much shame no, there. Muhammad's good. Um, he's certainly the more fluent striker of the two. Um, he's going to have a real edge as far as long as this remains a kickboxing match. I'm not overly 
high on Muhammad long term because he has problems putting guys away on the feet. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be a problem against Maya, but when you start facing the real high end guys, you kind of got to threaten them a little more on the feet yeah. than Maya does. His last knockout, Muhammad, that was uh, 2016 against Vicente Luque. So, or I'm sorry, no, he was knocked out. Whoops, I looked at that one wrong. When was his last knockout? Uh, he beat Augusto Montana in the fight before that. He knocked him out in the third round. So, uh, yeah, and that was in 2016, the last time Muhammad has knocked anybody out. Yeah, I mean, and then you take it. I mean, he, I still think he's going to win. He's more than a decade younger. Um, mm-hmm. Maya's kind of like, kind of saying the same thing you say Maya say about Jim Miller these days and for the past many years. He's not going to win anything other than a prolonged ground battle. You know, that's mm-hmm. essentially what it is. Now, if Muhammad gets lazy on the ground, oh, he'll be tapping out real quick. Oh, yeah. And that's that's part of the reason I'm not crazy mm-hmm. about him at 9,000. Um, you know, I uh, 7,200 for Maya in hopes he pulls some kind of crazy submission seems a little more reasonable. But as far as, like, overall athleticism at this point in their careers – um, and to win out, right, I'll take Muhammad. I actually think this is probably going to be a pretty entertaining yeah. fight. Uh, yeah, I like this fight, too. So Damian Maya at 7,200 or Brandon Moreno at 7,100? Maya. Yep, because of the stoppage chances, right? I don't yep. think Moreno's getting the stoppage, but no. Maya's at least, he could pull a rabbit out of his hat here. Um, I'm on Muhammad pretty heavily here. I didn't have to think about this one too much. Muhammad's never been subbed in his entire fight career. His three losses were only three losses, by the way, two decisions and one uh, knockout there. And then if Muhammad doesn't want this fight to go to the ground, it's not going to go to the ground. I don't think Maya is going to be able to outstrength him and, and shoot and go for and, and complete a takedown. Muhammad's takedown defense is eighty five percent, and that's absolutely elite. That's uh, one of the best numbers you're you're going to see. Period here. So I don't see why Maya gets it to the mat. So Muhammad here, on the other hand, four point seven five significant strikes landed per minute. That's enough volume to uh, you know to catch the eye of the judges here. Piece Maya up a little bit, and uh, yeah, not stop him, but stay off his back and get the decision win. So I like Muhammad more for cash than for GPP, just because of my perceived method of victory. Yeah, Muhammad's deceptively strong, and um, look, the same thing as saying can say the same thing about Maya that you can say about Diaz. They're not going to be overwhelmed, you know. They're not going to beat themselves. They've seen it all. So, mm-hmm. you know, Muhammad's going to have to go in and beat Maya, but you know, there's obviously a gap in athleticism. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're in agreement there. Here, let's talk about the pay per view opener. Here, we got a light heavyweight matchup between Paul Craig and Jamal Hill. Hill is the second highest price fighter on the card after leon edwards he's 9400 craig 6800 so of course you know naturally the second cheapest fighter on the card uh hill minus 280 craig plus 240 so to kind of illustrate that here you've got hill at minus 280 and 9400 then you go up to edwards for only a hundred dollars more but you go from a minus 280 to minus 550 favorite so you know maybe just planting my seed a little bit here but hill's a He's a big prospect. He's only got nine pro fights here going against Craig, who's been around a little while, fought a few veterans here. What's your initial, uh, or I guess, reaction to breaking down this matchup? I mean, this is as straightforward as it gets. Uh, it's a striker-grappler matchup. Um, the result's going to be entirely dictated by where the fight takes place. Um, she also probably mentioned this was supposed to take place about three months ago. Um, Hill tested positive for COVID. It had to be pushed back. Um, mm-hmm. Our exposure to Hill has been really small. Um, he's three. He earned his contract on Dana White's contender series. He's won all three of his fights since. One of those was 
changed to a no contest when uh, Hill tested positive for marijuana after the yeah, fight. But you, you he, have to look through that. He won that fight. Yeah, he, he won the he fight. He knocked so. him out with a knee in the first round. Right, he won the fight. So he's you know he's three and zero in the UFC. Um, the sample size is small. Hill's averaging nine seven point nine strikes per significant strikes landed per minute. That is not going to last. That never lasts. Mm-hmm. But that shows you what kind of fighter he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to give you an idea of how crazy that number mm-hmm. is, Craig averages 2.4 per minute. Mm-hmm. So you're talking five and a half more strikes yeah. per minute for Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, you see those numbers a lot with people who get quick stoppages. You know, they go yep. for a blitz, they hurt someone, and then they throw a bunch of follow-up shots, and, yep. they, and they get them all in the, in the thing in 90 seconds. But Hill, at least to his credit, you know, sometimes you just write it off as sample size. He fought Darko Stozic uh, in his UFC debut and landed 101 significant strikes, uh, and the fight went the distance. So he's, he's a pretty high-volume guy. It's safe to say that. Even though he's only had four official fights that have been scored on his UFC stats page, he's a pretty high-volume guy. Yeah, no, he's the talented guy. And I mean, there are two things in Craig's favor here. One is obviously the ground game. Um, he's much more advanced on the ground than Hill. And the second is that he, you know, he has more, has faced better competition, has more experience. Jamal Hill has all of seven professional fights under his belt. Um, 14, all 14 of Craig's wins have come via stoppage. Two have been knockouts. Twelve have been via submission. To give you an idea of his game, mm-hmm. he's a big guy, six foot three, deceptively strong. Um, but he's given up an inch in height and three inches to Hill, and that's an issue when a guy hits as hard as Hill does. Yes. Um, Craig's striking numbers, like we just mentioned, two point four landed per minute, are suppressed. But part of that is because he spends he's most comfortable and spends a lot of time on the mat. So you know you'll see that a lot. Um, he has good cardio, Paul Craig does, and common sense would say he should the longer this fight goes, yes, he should have the edge. Um but it's even you know, ninety four hundred is an awful big price tag, but it's hard to get past the power advantage that Hill has. Yep. It's and, night and day. And we were talking about this with Figuero, but Hill has the, according to all the listed odds right now, he's got the best first round win prop and he's got the best win by KO prop on the whole card. So I guess that makes sense when you've got a guy. I would, uh, I would, I would agree with that if for no other reason than these are much bigger guys than flyweights. So, yes. <laughs> you know, I would say Hill obviously at his size is the, what do we talk about? The, the gone in 60 second promo thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, he is the most likely guy to score a knockout on this card in 60 seconds or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, side note, I love that DraftKings added that because you'd get guys that would finish someone in 30 seconds, but not have yep. enough time to rack up strikes and actually score worse than people that would, you know, knock you out at the end of the first round. Um, yeah, my friends will make fun of me for why I'm rooting for weird, weird stuff to happen. Like keep hitting them, but stop it at four fifty nine. you know? Anyway, yeah, uh, you have to for that. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I'm glad they did that anyway. Uh, and I definitely wouldn't advocate fading Hill entirely because of those props. I mean, you know, yeah, the numbers too don't, much upside. Yeah, the numbers don't lie at all. You should get a piece of him. You know, chances are you're not going to be able to get both Hill and Edwards. But I think I'm going to have a little bit more Edwards than Hill. And I'm actually... I'm going to make my stand here. I'm going out on a big-time limb, and I'm going to pick Paul Craig here. Just because, one, 9,400 for someone with nine pro fights scares me a whole lot here. Two, concern. Two, the odds value that I was mentioning here. I mean, 9,400 for a minus 280 favorite or 9,500 for a minus 550 favorite. I mean, that's twice as much almost. So you got to take that into account. Um, Hill's takedown defense – 
sits at 53%, which, you know, any way you cut that, that is terrible. And, um, you know, I tried to look. We've only got four fights of stats to go by. In his UFC debut against Darko Stozik, he was taken down six times by Stozik. Now, granted, and, and, you know, that was only in January of 2020, so we're 18 months behind that. I'm sure you can drill a lot of takedown defense here in 18 months, but... Uh, I mean, Stozik's lost three in a row, and I think he's out of the UFC at this point. So, you know, that guy came in and, and took you to school on the mat. What's Paul Craig going to do? I mean, Paul Craig would be a minus 250 favorite if he faced Stozik right now. So, um, you know, just going to throw that out there. It's risky to be to be betting against, to take my, uh, you know, stance here and go with Craig in that manner because, you know, all the math, all the numbers say Hill's got the best chance of any fighter on the card of getting that first-round finish. But, of course, this is a variance game, and I think if Craig can manage to hug him for the whole first round, make him carry his weight a little bit, make his arms a little bit more heavy, and then start grinding like a nasty victory, I think there's a way for, or there's a path to victory at least for Craig, and I think it's better than plus 240. So I do like him as an underdog, and I do know you're going to have to take guys at 6,800 on this card to be able to fill out lineups with guys that you want. So I'm going ahead and picking Craig here, but I'll admit that I'm kind of standing on an island here. I haven't seen a whole lot of other people give Craig a chance. I don't hate it. You know, I, I, I'm not picking him, but I don't hate it. Uh, he'll, Craig's crafty. Um, I could see him keeping it competitive. I certainly think any Craig victory is going to have to come later in the fighter via decision. <laughs> you know, if Hill's fresh and throwing bombs, it's going to be on Craig to survive that because you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. no, just, just I, I hug don't him. Need it. Hug him, clinch That's him, all, do what you have to yeah, do for uh, you know. Try, do try and tie him up and tire mm-hmm. him out for a round or whatever. Yeah, close the distance. Get a couple nasty elbows in a phone booth. See what happens. Yeah. Paul Craig's not going to beat himself. Yep. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll respect that very much here and. uh so, anyway, so that's where we're at here. Uh, you know, differing on a few of these picks here. You have to you have to play one of these $67, $6,800 fighters. You know, whether it's Craig you, or, or whether it's, you know, Nate Diaz, which we're not so much on, or whether it's Marvin Vittori, you got to pick one to do your lineup here. Because I like, you know, in the prelim finale, I really like Drew Dober at 8500 and you're going to have to get him with some of your other big favorites. So you're going to have to pick one of these 6800 guys. You're going to have to make your stance somewhere just to make most lineups work. Even if it's a cash game here, you got to think about volume. So uh, I guess we get to that portion of the show here. Um any underdogs you like? Anyone stand out? I know you picked Vittorio already, so you could so you could pass on picking underdogs the rest of the card, and, and it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't bother me one bit. But anybody else jump out at you? I got one underdog, and I got one favorite I like, um, but the favorite's a minor favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I'll start with that. I like Joanne Calderwood against Lauren Murphy. Um, Calderwood's eighty two hundred, Murphy's eight thousand. Um, Vegas odds: Calderwood's about minus one forty five, Murphy's about plus one twenty five. Uh, Joanne Calderwood's been inconsistent throughout the course of her career, and Lauren Murphy is, I would certainly say, the last couple of years fighting over her head. She's not that far from earning a title shot. I mean, that says more about the division than anything oh, else. Yeah. We know that. We know. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, but, I mean, you might as well um, give her Valentina if she wins this fight. Jeez, that'd be what, five, six in a row? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we know what would happen there, but... Um, in what I expect to be a stand-up fight, um, I would certainly take JoJo at two hundred dollars more, um, mm-hmm. and even at minus one forty-five, I think she's intriguing. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm intrigued the, by the fact that both of them are under the mean salary, so it does. Even if you pick the favorite, it frees up a little bit. I, I just worry about the scoring of this, and 
I we're a little bit about Murphy being being pretty physical, but I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, any and Calderwood offense is going to have to be volume um, as opposed to knockouts. You know, I, it, she's not a, a finisher, but mm-hmm. there's volume there. Um, and the underdog I like is um, Darren Stewart against Eric Anders, and that's more because I've been burnt on Anders. I don't know how many times, oh, yeah. and I'm just not going <laughs> to let it happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Anders reminds me of Oban St. Pru in the sense that they are obviously they both played Division I football. Anders went to the University of Alabama, St. Pru went to Tennessee. Um, but they're they both got late starts to mixed martial arts, and they're athletes, high, obviously the highest level athlete, um, kind of this I don't, I don't have, masquerading as a mixed martial artist. I, you know, I don't mean it as in they're not legit fighters. It's just that they're more athletic than they are technical in the world of mixed martial arts. And I think when that happens, we've seen a lot with OSP. We've seen it with Anders too. You have a guy who has all the physical ability in the world and will have standout performances because they're so naturally athletic. But when it comes to learning the finer points of mixed martial arts, it's not there all the time, and both guys are getting up there in age. I, I yeah. want to say OSP is like 37 now or something, mm-hmm. and Anders is like 34 or 35. Yeah, so these OSP guys is pretty much washed age. at this point. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think there's a gap, and uh, I I would just fade Anders and think at that price, Stewart is a reasonable option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I just like. This is, of course, a rematch. Their first fight ended in a no contest here because of an illegal knee. But in four minutes and 37 seconds of fight time, Anders had 43 significant strikes to Stewart's 15, uh, one knockdown, and he was credited with three takedowns. Now, if he doesn't land the illegal knee and Stewart gets out of that round, I'm pretty sure Anders punched himself out in that, and then and then Stewart would have cruised well, to win. The, that's the other. That's to the win other. rounds two and three. But I mean, in that yeah. first fight, Anders. I mean, that's the only reason why Anders isn't another one of these nine thousand favorites. I mean, you see the numbers, but if he wouldn't have done the illegal knee, that round comes to a close. Anders will be out of gas here, and then Stewart starts would start doing his thing uh, and going for the takedowns here because that's kind of. Uh, Stewart's got a pretty diverse game. 1.5 takedowns per 15 minutes, 3.09 significant strikes landed per minute. His offense and defense is exactly the same. Um, you know, Stewart kind of held Anders his own. Beats, I'm just hoping Anders beats himself essentially. Yeah. Whether he tires himself out or he makes a stupid mistake or something like that. Yeah, I wonder if he'll learn from that and maybe save a little more in the gas tank, be a little more patient um, as opposed to going all out yeah. for the finish. Or maybe he knows, he knows that going all out for the finish is, is really his best chance to win. We've so. seen him gas out bad in the past, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so I guess I'm on you there. Obviously, with my big underdog pick was Craig. I'm going out on an island on that. I could see, like you said, maybe going to Vittoria. I'd lean towards that in the cash game if you're trying to play something like that because I think he could survive long enough. Um, you know, I look at the fight matrix strength of record. They kind of like Damian Maya, Lauren Murphy, and Chase Hooper. I don't know if I like Chase Hooper. You know, he against Alex Caceres, that fight kind of made me go down on him quite a bit. Um, you know, 
Jake Collier. I would, take, I would take Luigi Venderimi before I took Chase Hooper. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and then I mean Jake Collier, seventy five hundred plus one fifty. I mean actually odds to finish are plus one ten, which is weird for a heavyweight fight in the opener. I know a lot of people overlook the opener. I'd maybe t- I'd maybe try to get a piece of that. And if you need to free up salary, why not take the dog because the two aren't that far apart. So you know something. To think no, it's about. a good idea. It's a good idea with a heavyweight fight too. Mm-hmm. Especially you know you know, you, know, you can't, I don't want to call them entry level fighters. That's no knock on them, but they've got i mean geez how many fights combined here yeah no you know yeah. there's a felipe's gap. only got three yeah. fights he's looked pretty good actually beating de castro and tafa collier beat john Vellante, lost to tom aspinall aspinall's a, a kind of an up-and-comer so that's been happening here but collier throws a good amount of volume his takedown defense not so hot so i'd worry about the sub attempts Collier from- was good in the uh Vellante fight yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Collier def- in the in Volante fight, 123 significant strikes. So he definitely bounced back big time in, uh, from his Aspinall loss, but everybody's been getting knocked out by Aspinall lately for the most part. So, um, you know, I'll give him a pass for that one. Collier has, let's see, he's got eight UFC fights and he's been, oh, no, this isn't good for the pattern. He's alternated wins and losses in every single one. He's a perfect four and four. So now this would so say he's, he's, he's due for he's a loss. Screwed. Yeah, he's yeah. done. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no more. Um, but no, I just, you, know, you take the heavyweight underdog at, at a slight plus money and maybe you get the stoppage. It's a GPP strategy. You got to be unique. You know, the field always seems to be under owned on those very first couple early, early prelims that, you know, you, you got to go to ESPN plus or even fight pass to get. So, uh, just throwing that out there a little bit here. Yeah. I'm partial for Collier, too, because he's won fights in three different weight classes, which I always thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, right on. Yeah, he's a, he's know, a small heavyweight. He might have the speed advantage here because, what, he had 230 was his last weigh-in. Felipe's not a huge heavyweight, 245. We've got um, – I'm looking at the height and reach here. Collier's got three inches in reach and three inches in height, so – you know, you never know there. Maybe there's something there. So maybe we uncovered something just at the very end here. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, that's going to wrap it up. Anything else you want to add on this card? No, this is good. I mean, you know, the last pay-per-view, yeah, even the, uh, the Poirier McGregor one that's coming is much more top-heavy. This is a deeper card than that is. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely. Gonna be, that's going to be pushed by Connor, but mm-hmm. this is a better, you know, top to bottom. Um, this is probably, especially the remainder of the main card. This is a better card than that is. Yeah, I mean, Anders has fought on pay per views before, I believe. Yeah. Drew Dober uh, could and maybe even should be on the pay per view. I mean, he's been Drew Dober's he's been entertaining solid. as hell. Yeah, yeah he's no, he's an awesome fight. I'm excited fights. for that one. I'm actually I like him on DraftKings and and possibly as a bet here because the uh the dober odds for me i mean just uh they're a little they're a little more narrow i mean nothing against brad riddell but i, I liked over in there by quite a bit Dober's um, last fight cerrone um no he got beat by uh, oh no it's makachev i'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah, yeah i mean makachev is an absolute killer so if oh, you're he's discounting ridiculous. he's a future nah. champ possibly he's khabib's protege if you're discounting dober because makachev broke his three fight win streak don't just stop yourself and rethink that yeah. So um, looks like a rebound spot. Yeah, definitely a rebound spot. Buy low if you can, because I, I think we're both Dober fans here. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up. Thanks again for listening to the Rotowire MMA podcast. Uh, once again, give John a follow on Twitter at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at Roto Jake. Of course, we'll be back with you guys uh, prior to UFC 264, McGregor versus Poirier. We'll get a record in prior to me flying out to Vegas. If you're out there in Vegas next week, uh, you know, get at me on Twitter, say hi. I'll be around T-Mobile for sure. 
or finding at least a place to watch fights. Uh, so definitely having a good time. This Friday night, two days from right now, I guess when we're recording this, Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Rotowire YouTube channel. Sean had to go on vacation, so I'm going to take on hosting duties, try to reel in Chris and Joe, and, and we'll take the card from bottom to top to kind of the post-weigh-in version of this show here. I'm mostly host. You can lean on those guys for an analysis, so I, I'm not going to repeat too much of what I've said here today. So do- definitely something to check out live on the Rotowire YouTube channel. Of course, we've got bets from Cole on the site. We've got a DraftKings breakdown from John on the site. Bets from Chris are coming. I'll post staff picks here by tomorrow morning. And then, of course, uh, um, what's the last one? The MMA mashup, Chris Olsen. He goes and you know he, he makes your picks for prize picks, Monkey Knife Fight, FanDuel, all those sites that we don't cover in the main DraftKings preview. He gives you something to uh, think about for the pay-per-view. So tons of good content coming for you on Rotowire MMA. Of course, I've kept pretty much all of it free to this date of course if you want to use our optimizer to mass enter and upload to dfs sites we've got you covered there as well all you need to do to access that is go to rotowire.com slash free for a free 10-day trial and we'll get you hooked up again man that was everything good show john great talking with you here and uh we'll see you guys prior to ufc 264